I love the ocean so much and there's this magnetism within me that pulls me to it that I have to figure out a way to overcome the psychological trauma of that near drowning. And surfing was that entry point for me. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Nasty Woman Club. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. This week we are taking the show all the way to Hawaii, in particular Oahu. That's right, on today's episode we have the lovely and hilarious curvy surfer girl, Elizabeth. I found her on Instagram several weeks ago. I know out of all places, how common is that? And I saw that she created a particular type of content and platform that wasn't common on social media. Well, on my newsfeed anyway. So Elizabeth is plus size, curvy, whatever you want to call it. And she surfs. And for some reason, those two things don't seem to be shown together on social media. That's why Elizabeth created the page Curvy Surfer Girl. So she could show people that, yes, you can be a surfer, you can be an athlete, and be plus size as well. This is Elizabeth, the curvy surfer girl of Hawaii. So hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming onto the Nasty Woman Club all the way from Hawaii. How are you? Aloha, Demi. I am amazing. I am so stoked to be here with you and your audience today. Uh, Mahalo nui loa for having me on. I'm so excited to start our discussion. So how long have you been living in Hawaii for? When did you move to this beautiful, beautiful place? Um, So I have lived on Oahu now for about three and a half years. Um, I moved in 2017. It was a life dream of mine. And really, I think the only goal I had was to live in Hawaii. Um, From the moment I touched down on Oahu, which is the island that I live on, there's there's eight island chains, um, uh, islands in our island chain, if you didn't know. Um, so I'm on Oahu, which is the most populated out of all of us. And uh, I just had this really profound connection to the ocean, to the Hawaiian culture and people. And um, it was just this feeling and sense of knowing that I was home. And um, I had to leave, of course, after those two weeks were initially over. But I never stopped feeling homesick for Hawaii. And when I went back to live and graduate from Arizona State University in Arizona, um, you know, I had to meet those stages of my life's obligations. And then once those were done, which was about five years in from my original visit to Hawaii, um, I had just lost my job because Trump had gotten elected and I have done a lot of advocacy uh, work in in my life. That's kind of what I've dedicated my career to. And so when Trump got elected, I was doing um, environmental advocacy work. And a lot of the people that we were working with were removed from office. Funding was being sliced drastically for those efforts. And the nonprofit I was with just had to completely restructure. And I said, okay, there's going to be one of two things that happened in my life. I'm either going to follow my heart and I'm going to go to Hawaii or I'm going to move back to Washington, D.C., where I'd lived for a period, and I'm just going to be a full-time, you know, advocate lobbyist for the issues that I care about and trying to make political change in the, the right direction 
um, for future generations and our current generation. So ultimately a bunch of like what I call divine domino effects started happening for Hawaii and the doors started opening. I got a job. I got all of the resources I needed, which alone after losing a job was really unheard of. And then even to get hired um, from the mainland to Hawaii while you're not living there is almost unheard of. Um, it just is like a one in a million kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so all of these doors for Hawaii started opening and I just felt like it was my calling and my destiny. And I knew that politically or from my advocacy career perspective, that was probably going to suffer because DC is like the Mecca of all things politics in the world. Yeah. So I said, you know what, it's worth it for me. And I think that whatever I choose to do in Hawaii and whatever doors open there are where I'm supposed to be. And I followed that dream and I'm, I've been here for three years and I plan on being here for the rest of my life. Do you feel like after you moved to Hawaii and choosing that over Washington, with everything that's happened over the past several years, in particular COVID, have you realized, yeah, I made the right decision? Yeah. Have you had like moments like that where you're just like, I'm really glad. And also you're not anywhere near Trump. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, even through the, the challenges that I thought were absolutely insurmountable while living here, um, I wake up every single day and I give thanks to everything around me, whether it's seen or unseen. Um, you know, Hawaii is uh, a, a culture and a place that is very connected to the elements and to the past and kind of that timeline um, that, that continues into today from our history. And so I always give thanks to whether it be our ancestors that came before us here in Hawaii or the elements and just all of the beauty that has brought me here and allows me to exist in this space. Because no matter what happens, there is no place in the whole world I'd, I'd rather be than this archipelago in the middle of the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I just, it's my home and I love it. Yeah, that's so great. So, yes. <laughs> Every <laughs> single day, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Anything out there, you know, that's controlling forces of destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so what I find so great is that you said before that you were a big advocate for environmental issues before, but now you're also yeah. still advocating for, in particular, self-love and body, positive, body positivity. Yes. So that is when you then decided to start Curvy Girl Surfer. How did that'll begin. How did that transition there? Yeah. So I started um, surfing three years ago at ground zero and I am telling you couldn't do anything. I actually had an extreme fear of the ocean from a near drowning experience when I was a teenager, uh, which I go into on a couple of my IGTVs. If that's something that people are interested in learning, I've, I've realized a lot of people have actually had near drowning experiences that have um, you know, been an obstacle for them to go back into water spaces, whether that be a swimming pool or the ocean. So uh, when I first came to Hawaii eight years ago, I went to a Beach Boys stand and I said, you know what, I love the ocean so much. And there's this magnetism within me that pulls me to it that I have to figure out a way to overcome the psychological trauma of that near drowning. And surfing was that entry point for me. Surfing was how I could, you know, I had a natural flotation device from the surfboard. I had a leash attached to me so I couldn't lose it. The waters here in Hawaii where we surf are relatively shallow. 
So even if you fall off your board, you can even still swim to an area where you can touch or just naturally touch. And so it was a psychological and emotional journey of healing through surfing. That's when it very first started. And then three years ago, I found Ohana Surf because here in Hawaii, things are very geared towards tourism. And the surf lessons that were being provided were over $100 a session. And there was no way as a local living here with all of our standard expenses, like anywhere else in the world, you know, rent, groceries, et cetera, that I was going to be able to afford a hundred dollars surf lesson. And so I was so desperate to find someone to teach me how to surf because I was still afraid. And I knew that I didn't have the water skills I needed to fully um, go out there alone without a mentor or coach. I just wasn't, I'd been landlocked my whole life being from Texas and Arizona. So I needed that mentorship and guidance. And that's where I found Ohana Surf. And they had just started their locals only surf program, which was dedicated to teaching people that lived on the island how to surf. And that's really where it began to evolve. And three years later, you know, here we are with Curvy Surfer Girl and creating body positive messages for the world. And uh, I, you know, I'm still growing as a surfer. I love that so much that they are teaching locals how to surf because I remember when I used to live close to the beach where I thought like, oh yeah, I want to start surfing. But I thought you can only be a surfer if you start from a really young age, if you start from a kid, if you're just born on the beach. I love it so much that, yeah, there's someone that actually thought, no, you can start surfing however old you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, what size you are. I love it so much. It's great. Amen. Preach. I love it. Yes. That's, um, you know, we have some of the best surfers in the world here in Hawaii that started surfing in their late twenties. Um, it's really, there's a lot of inspiring people in the surf community because just like you, when I first started surfing, I thought the same thing. I'm like, surfing is for people who've been exposed to the water their whole life. I mean, these are, there's groms out there that are four that are surfing right now, better than I I could probably ever surf. (laughs) And, um, you know, that is the culture and that is what you're preconditioned to believe. And it's not true. I mean, if you find yourself a good coach and a good mentor to give you solid fundamentals, you can absolutely be a great surfer. And what I mean is you can really paddle out there with people, know what you're doing, how to read waves, how to, you know, get up there and just enjoy your time in the ocean. It does take some effort though. I mean, it's taken me three years. And if you watch my videos on surfing, you can still see me struggling to this day after dedicating every weekend of my life for years to surfing with um, mentorship. So it, it is something that requires consistency and drilling down through those psychological barriers, um, but it, it can be done in our 20s, hands down. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And something that you're very open about talking about on your Instagram page is how when you started surfing, you noticed that there was a lack of 
content out there in the world of female surfers that are of a curvy size or plus size, whatever you call it. So what was it like for you then entering the surfing world? Like one of the hardest things as someone that's a, like I'm a thick girl myself, one of the hardest things is trying to find a swimsuit that will keep keep your tits in, keep your ass in and not have everything fly out. What is that like for you? Girl, you're just, you're preaching like I have goosebumps. I love it. (laughs) So when I first started surfing, I was a little over 200 pounds and I'm only a five foot girl. So that is pretty heavy for my frame. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, weight is specific to every human, but for me being five feet and over 200 pounds, I really struggled. Um, I could not go into any, almost any traditional retail space and find something that would fit me. Um, and, and I wasn't even considered like a plus plus size woman still. I was a size 16, which I think is still relatively average. I mean, you can go into retailers and find clothes for size 16. Like it's not a niche demographic per se, but for the surfing world, oh, no way. That was not happening. Um, a size eight or 10 in the surfing world is pushing the boundaries of um, what they're offering, at least in retail spaces. So for me, it was really just trying to find rash guards and bikini bottoms from a variety of different uh, non-surfing retailers and and designers, and then trying to match all that together so that I would have functional pieces in the water. And then as I naturally, just through like extraordinary happiness and a lot of physical activity kept surfing, um, you know, in a period of about eight months, I went from, I want to say about 207 pounds to 150 pounds. So, I mean, just the surfing alone, I wasn't doing anything else. I didn't change my diet. I didn't do, it was just being super happy being in the water and surfing every weekend. I didn't miss a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And just those three things I dropped down. Mm. So you know, and then of course, as I kept going down in weight class, of course, more options opened up. And then I almost kind of forgot about that struggle because now here I, I was at a size eight, uh, which is more readily accessible to the universe and the world of surfers. But as soon as I, you know, hit this extraordinary period of stress in my life where I lost my job, And the stress just kept piling and piling and piling. I was losing hair. I was gaining weight again. And there was just no stopping it. It didn't matter how much I was doing any one thing or another. It was just the cortisol levels were off the roof. So I put back on about another 20 to 25 pounds, which kind of fluctuates. And that's where I am now. And I've just kind of plateaued at that. And so that's what reminded me. Like had I not gained the weight back, Mm. I would have never started Curvy Surfer Girl because I, in my brain, I was like every other traditional woman. I was like, we need to get smaller and fitter and better and just, you know, like keep the trajectory. You're, you're looking at the before and after pictures and, you know, all these crazy weight losses and you're like, that's going to be me. Like, I'm going to be that. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, just some higher power, whatever you want to call it, you know, God, the universe, I don't know. Um, something was like, eh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna slow things down and reverse it. So you can reflect on everything that's going on around you. And I mean, it was really hard. I mean, to go from like losing 60 pounds and then gaining another 25 back, you talk about the feelings of failure and just 
uh, disgust around yourself and like, what have I done wrong? There's so many psychological hurdles when you go from such a drastic weight loss and then you kind of go, you start creeping back up again. And I said, you know what? During those bo- this big body positive movement that started happening, I started following these body positive influencers. There weren't even a lot on the scene, to tell you the truth. I mean, there were really just a handful of them at the time I started. Um, and I didn't really even consider myself plus size because I even think that what's being marketed as plus size is really large, right? So it's like, unless you're in that demographic, you don't get a voice either. It's like, there's no real in-between space for anybody else. You're either super tiny or you're super plus, you know, like if you're not in the size 18, 20, 22 demographic, and then you're not in the size double zero, zero, two and four demographic, like all of us girls kind of somewhere in that middle spectrum are also, we don't have a voice either. And so when I started following some of these more plus size um, body positive influencers, I was loving the message. I was loving seeing the swimsuits on them, but I was still like, this isn't a reflection of who I am either. Like I'm still not being seen. I'm a very active female. I didn't consider myself plus size at the time. It was actually another female in the modeling realm that was like, Liz, you know, you are plus size. And I'm like, but am I, (laughs) you know, like it was a, (laughs) it was a whole psychological conversation. Cause I was always like, you know, I'm an athlete and athletes and being plus size don't go together. And, uh, that was a hard thing to reconcile in my brain. I was like, I can't be in that category because that puts me in this like unhealthy space and there's nothing happening over there for women like, like us, you know, I, cause I was included in it, but I was just in denial about it. And, um, it was, it was that other model and mentor to me that said, you know, Liz, like we need people like you in these spaces. Like you do represent this demographic and you can be accepted and, you know, you can create change in these spaces. And when she started talking to me about what it meant to be plus size and what it meant to be curvy, I was like, you know, I am like, I am that, you know, these girls that are modeling and doing these things, like, I do fit into this demographic more than I fit into the alternative demographic. Yeah. And that was where it started for me. I was like, I first had to accept that I was a curvy plus sized woman, which in my brain was a very difficult process to reconcile just because of all of the, you know, uh, the, the society's narratives about plus size curvy women. Um, but once I reconciled that, like I was free, you know what I mean? Like once I could accept that, yeah, that is me. I am a curvy woman and I'm going to own that. And I'm going to own being plus size, no matter how plus size I am, you know, whether it's on the smaller plus size spectrum or on the larger plus size spectrum, I'm just going to own it. And that's going to be my narrative now. And we're going to preach about how to move that narrative forward even more so that it's not just also a singular voice in that space that there is diversity even within the curvy and plus size modeling and 
uh, body positivity movement. Because yeah, we are taught from a young age that if you consider plus size or curvy or whatever you want to call it, that you're deemed as then lazy and unfit. So that right. would have been so hard right. for you because you have been trying yeah. so hard to get fitter and to do right. surfing. And as someone that's curvy right. myself, it is so freaking hard to do a pop-up on a board. Oh my God. Don't girl, get me started. Girl, you're preaching. Like I said, <laughs> 207 pounds at my starting. I, yes. I struggle to pop up from the floor sometimes. So when I see like photos of like people popping up on boards on water in the air, I'm just like, how does that happen? So yeah, I get it. I get that. Like, yeah, it would have been hard to think, Oh, but I'm fit though. I don't want to be considered plus side plus size, but you can be both. You can be fit. You can can be curvy. So I think that's what's so great about your page is that that's what you showcase. So what has been, and that was something I saw missing in the uh, plus size community. Like, I saw a lot, another thing that really bothered me personally, Demi, and I don't know if you've experienced this, I am curious to know. Mm. I have seen a lot of curvy women and plus size women hypersexualized. And I don't know if you're seeing it, but I feel like a lot of whatever um, marketing companies and agencies are out there collecting curvy women to be their spokespeople, it's like lingerie companies and bikini companies but like like that's it you don't see curvy women um modeling and and exploring more um as much now right now we do but you know coming up to this conversation i was just seeing curvy women being hyper sexualized and that was another thing i was like I do not want to be a hypersexualized curvy woman. I want to show women that we can do stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. we're doers. We're not just going to like sit there and take a photo and look pretty in sexy things, which I know at some point that needed to happen to kind of redefine our beauty expectations and give women confidence. But now it's like, okay, now we need to see curvy women, you know, like, being athletes and doing things that uh, women in traditional spaces are doing. And I wasn't seeing that. And that was another motivator to try and step outside of that demographic um, that I was seeing just those standard consistent images of women posing in swimsuits that were plus size, but then not having, you know, more than just the swimsuit and the body positive narrative. It's like, let's take this up another notch. Mm, yeah, I get what you mean. I think so. What I've noticed, because I follow a lot of like body positive women, and a lot of them do post, you know, in a lot of sexy lingerie and beautiful like bikinis and stuff like that. And I love it. Absolutely love it. And sure, I've I spoken, do too. And I've spoken to some of them, and they said a lot of the time from what they, a lot of the time from what they post, they get fetishized. And there are some people out there that have fetishes towards women that are plus size just because they're plus size. So it's just like, uh, it's just like this bad lose-lose situation. They either get fetishized because they're bigger or then they get caught like fat and ugly and disgusting because they're bigger. And it's just, yeah. So I do get what you mean. Like we need to, it's fantastic. We are seeing more um, curvy women, you know, like being sexy, being gorgeous, showing off like, you know, the lingerie and the curves. I love it. I love it. I want more of that. But I also want to see more of just when it doesn't have to be about plus size, they just happen to be plus size. It's like, you know, they just, they're athletes. They just happen to be plus size or they are these, yeah, just 
bring it, bring more plus size women into like all spaces. I think, I think that's definitely it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. And I love that. Cause I mean, like I said, for a long time there, and I mean, I'm talking for over a year, all I was seeing were plus size women in very sexual uh, positions, lingerie attire and, you know, strappy bikinis. And I'm like, you know, of course, just like everyone, I'm like, I'm so excited to see that. And I still love that content. It's just, it was the only content I was seeing. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't seeing um, curvy women and plus size women empowered in other ways, at least via social media. Once again, I'm sure it was happening, but it just wasn't in my field of vision. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, we, we got to, we know, we got to expand this. It's just got to be more than just sexy posing in lingerie and bikinis so what has been the response then to your page what has been a response from other surfers and also other curvy girls out there seeing your page yeah oh my god i can't keep up it has been incredible like first of all i am immensely grateful that for whatever reason i have been the chosen vessel for this opportunity Um, And I do want to give credit to people like Bo Stanley and Kanoa Green, who were on the scene before me. Um, You know, Bo Stanley was a former, or she, I believe she still is like an elite surfer um, who started the conversation about body positivity and surfing. And, um, you know, I've been following her for years as well on my journey when I moved to Hawaii. Um, So I think even subliminally, just having Bo in the background of my mind was important. So just want to give those ladies credit first and foremost, because they really were the pioneers behind what I'm doing. And I'm just kind of continuing that legacy in another trajectory. Um, But women every single day, I get probably close to 75 to 100 DMs. In 32 days, I have 3,000, almost 3,300 followers. Wow. That's incredible. Oh, big congratulations. That's just so great that you're just getting so much great response from all this. That's so great. Fantastic. It is. And I love every single person on that page. They're all important. And I try to communicate that to them. And I'm always responding to DMs and comments because, you know, I want people to know it's a community space while maybe I'm the avatar and I'm what you're seeing it is really about all of us. It's a movement and a movement takes many, you know, and, and maybe I'm just the, the woman with the microphone, but I need everyone there with me also, you know, pushing this because that's how it's going to get, that's how we're going to make progress. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we were talking about earlier before we started recording about something that you're working on at the moment, and that is workouts for in particular curvy girls that are surfing. And one of the hardest things about surfing, um, that workout that you're helping out with that we spoke about earlier was the pop-up. Now, for those of yeah. you that aren't surfers, aren't familiar with it, pop-up is when you, know, you go from the lying position to standing up it is hard. (laughs) I still struggle with it, Demi. (laughs) (laughs) So then what made you wanted to decide to do like some little routines to help people be able to do the pop-up more easily? Because when you do have more weight, it is hard to try and like, you know, jump from laying down to standing up so quickly. Right. So, uh, you know, I've had women from all around the world following me and specifically 
some of the um, stand-up paddle women. You know, I will say it's, it's so much easier when you have the momentum of a wave behind you because that force is also acting as like a natural propulsion to you and your body. Um, so, you know, if you're kind of trying to do pop-ups just in flat water conditions, that's a disaster. That's, you know, try not to do that if you can. Um, you know, at home, in the sand, on a solid surface is a great way to practice. And then on the wave is also great. I think a lot of times what we see are these professional surfers that have instantaneous muscle reaction to popping up on waves. And what we have to realize at our level where we're at is we need to actually breathe while we're popping up. You know, we need to be conscious of everything that we're doing um, so that we can get from that lying position, you know, to more of that um, mid position where your hands are stationary on the board. And then we start lifting that leg and then we lift the back leg and we push off. It needs to be just like the water we're in, our bodies have to be fluid. And so if we can think of it like that, more of almost in like a sense of a yogic uh, vibe where you have to just maintain that fluidity and then you'll still be one with the board and you'll be one with the wave and just kind of work through it one step at a time. I think that would help so many women um, because I know we're all so used to being like, we got to get up now immediately, mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of that just comes from once again, that pre-programmed narrative of watching elite surfers and hyper fit people um, doing the same sport. But, you know, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, and while I may not have the ability and the knowledge yet to articulate that process, I do have access to individuals that have been training uh, beginner surfers their entire lives on how to surf. And we're going to, you know, hopefully here in the near future, once we can get everything kind of organized and determine how we want to, you know, uh, put it on the internet, we want to, you know, do like a little showcase of, you know, maybe me as the, the demonstrator and my surfing coach as the narrator so that we can break down the biomechanics of what it's like for a larger woman with a stomach or larger hips or bigger breasts and arms, you know, to push through those movements and gain the strength to do it. Um, so that is something I'm hoping to pull off in, you know, the next, you know, three to six months with my surf instructor and community's help because I'm not in a position where I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know, I am a, I am a surfer, not a surf instructor. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to see that because I think that's definitely something that will help a lot of curvy women that may be worried about starting surfing because me, myself, as I said earlier, that was something that when I was younger, that definitely put me off surfing. Cause I'm just like, Oh, but people are going to laugh at me cause I can't do the pop-up kind of thing. So I think it's really great that you're curating these little routines so that it can be much easier and make curvy girls feel a bit more comfortable doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, the key with surfing is not giving up. I mean it, you know, for me, and I tell people this all the time for me, it took at least three months before I ever caught a wave by myself. And I mean, I'm telling you, I would go to the beach and I would collapse hyperventilating crying, <gasps> you know, because I thought there's, I'm just never going to be a surfer. Like it's not going to happen. And my surf coach, Chelsea would have to actually pick my physical body up off the ground, bawling and sobbing and tell me, Liz, 
every time you paddle out, you're gaining the strength that you never had to do this sport, you know? And she's like, you're going to come back and we're going to do it again. And you're going to come back and we're going to do it again. And it was just constant reinforcement because if I didn't have that, I think I would have given up probably in the first month of surfing. It's just so hard. Um, it is not something that you can go into thinking that in, you know, six months, I'm going to have this. I mean, it took me three and I was a relatively athletic woman to even get paddling strength. And then you have, there, there's a whole bunch of other things. Then you have to start reading the waves. You have to choose like, when do you start paddling? How fast do you start paddling? When do I stand up on this? How do I actually balance and ride it? There's just so much happening. So yeah. be patient and give your body the opportunity to build the strength that is required to surf. It, it's it's going to take months. I mean, minimum two to three months before your, your rib cage. He, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. Okay. This is crazy. Mm, fun your fact. ribs bruise when you surf and you feel like you know, someone has beaten you up in, in your rib cage because you're laying, you're putting all your weight on this hard surface against your ribs and your ribs have to calcify to not hurt anymore when you surf. So think about that. Think about all of the biological changes your body is going through just to even be comfortable on a surfboard and in the water, you know, like, I have calcification on my ribs now. I mean, that's really, if you start thinking about it on that level, that's amazing. And it just takes some time for those kind of biological responses to build and kick in and support you in your new endeavors. You want me, you make me want to like go on like a wave right now and just like paddle out into the ocean. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I really yes. water right now. <laughs> yes. No, yes. I, everyone can do it. And it's, it's the most spiritually freeing, beautiful, blissful feeling in the whole world. I mean, you're literally one with a wave, you know, like you're flying on water. It's just, it's so magical. Every, I hope everybody that wants to surf gets the chance to experience surfing um, with an instructor or without an instructor. I mean, just go out there and see what you can do with it because it's so amazing to experience. Well, thank you. I think you are already inspiring so many people, not just in Hawaii, but also all over the world. You're inspiring so many people to just toss away their fears and go out into the water, no matter how old they are, what size they are, no matter what experience they have. Like, I think you really are inspiring so many people and I really do appreciate it. Yes. I, I love our women of the world and this ocean bond that we have. And I'm so grateful to have a space for us to share and you know, cultivate wisdom and, and our love for the ocean and just keep encouraging each other. Uh, I mean, you can even see on my page, you know, I have hard days in the water. I mean, I went out to, um, to Waikiki and I didn't catch a single wave for two hours, was on the verge of a full breakdown, tears and everything. And uh, my sweet friend, Nika Miller, who's, um, you know, the first, uh, well, actually the second ever black female surfer professionally in the U.S., um, she's my dear friend now because we are surfing together all the time. She saw me like paddling in tears in my eyes. And she's like, no, you know, you're not going in until we catch at least one wave. And so we all have days like that in the water, right? Where we may not catch something. And 
you just got to remember to support yourself and be patient through the process. But anybody at any age, size, demographic, socially, economically, surfing is accessible. And I just encourage you so wholeheartedly to go out there and try it. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming onto the podcast today. I think you're going to inspire so many more people to go out into the water now. Thank you, Demi. You've been absolutely incredible. I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Nasty Woman Club. For more information on today's guest, Elizabeth, visit her Instagram page, Curvy Surfer Girl. And do me a favor, if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star review. Every review helps. For more stories on intersectional feminism, head on over to thenastywomanclub.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of The Nasty Woman Club. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.